In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text is our gospel lesson. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. I am not a fisherman, or at least not a good fisherman. I've been fishing several times with my father. I recall being with him as he fished for rainbow trout and other fish in a river in Colorado. I was fairly young and didn't do much fishing, but I recall it being a fun and exciting time. My dad caught several fish, which we then ended up eating. It was good. Now, I also recall going to a local fish tank near my hometown in Texas and waiting and waiting and waiting to catch something. I remember a few lakes I fished at as well. My dad was very patient when it came to fishing. I was not. I wasn't catching much. I wanted to stop. I wanted to give up. Obviously, I wasn't a good fisherman. I couldn't catch anything. But it wasn't my ability that was the problem. One Friday, my dad and some of his cousins went out to Lake Somerville in Texas. There they set up trout lines and they kept reloading the line with minnows. But they didn't catch anything. How many minnows did they waste? How much effort did they put into those lines without any success? Finally, after hours of fishing and hours of efforts and resources that seemed wasted and ill-spent, they began catching catfish and bass. They patiently persisted. This is what made my dad a much better fisherman than I was. I was ready to quit after an hour. It was boring. It was unproductive. It was useless or hopeless, and so I wanted to give up. And yet this is part of fishing. Just look at Peter's response to Jesus, who tells them to put their boat out into the depths and let down their nets to catch some fish. You can see Peter rather reluctantly following Jesus' word. Master, we worked all night last night. We tried and tried again to catch fish, and we received nothing in our net. I don't think we're going to catch anything. But because you're telling us to do so, I'll go ahead and give it a try. Peter isn't willing to tell his companions to jump into the other boat and go fishing with him. He alone will let down the nets at Jesus' word. He's going to obediently give it another go. It isn't like Peter's super confident. If he had been, well, he would have told the others to jump in the boat and follow, certain that he was going to catch something big. And Peter and his companions were certain that fishing was over for the day. They were cleaning the nets and preparing them for a later time, date. 
prospects that day just weren't good. Once my father went deep sea fishing with my mom, my uncle, and several other people. There were about 12 to 15 people in the boat. They set out Friday night and fished and fished and fished and nobody caught a thing. In fact, many people on the boat began to get seasick from the waves. It didn't look good. So late on Saturday, they decided to head back to shore, certain they weren't going to catch anything. And as they were going home, a few lines suddenly began to get bites. They stopped the boat, dropped anchor, and everybody began casting their lines. And this one caught a fish, and that one did. Suddenly, no one was sick, and they were catching fish after fish. Sometimes the fishing just doesn't look good. You can spend lots of time with little or no results, and then suddenly, suddenly things change. Peter goes out again with a minimal crew, not because he expects things to change. In a lot of ways, he seems to be going through the motions, maybe even dragging his feet. He goes out because Jesus says to do so. He goes out to fish because of the Lord's command and because of the Lord's word. And at Jesus' word, the bleak situation changes. At Jesus' command, they suddenly have so many fish that Peter needs help. He has to get the attention of his companions on the shore to come out with their boat because they have so many. How often do you and I look at our fishing waters certain there aren't any more fish to catch? How often are we like Peter, ready to give up? Perhaps you've personally spent lots of time trying to convince, convince this person or that person to go to church. I bet that some of you have tried again and again to speak to people about God's forgiveness in Christ and the importance of gathering together as Christ's body. Your neighbor says he believes, but nothing seems to change. Your family and friends would rather change the topic. What is the use? Why even try? The simple answer is because Jesus calls us to continue to fish. He sends us and commands us to bring his word out into the world. He sends us to cast the nets out, to speak of his kingdom, of his grace and mercy. We are sent to warn people of God's judgment and to offer them his escape. We are to catch and snag them by his word at his command. It doesn't matter that we haven't caught anything or haven't caught much. He still sends us forth to keep on fishing. In reality, that is the hardest part. To continue on in a task that seems fruitless and with little even no reward. There's a reason Jesus compares the work of his kingdom to fishing. It takes lots of patience and much labor, and sometimes you catch a lot, and sometimes you catch a little, but you continue on. Even when it seems bleak, you keep casting the net. But notice something else here in Luke. These fishermen come back 
in from all their efforts and they sit at Jesus' feet. They listen to his teaching. They clean their nets and get them ready for fishing again while they're hearing Jesus speak. They live as disciples of Jesus. They live under his tutelage. Only after being under his care and teaching do they head back out. It isn't by their own efforts or strength. They're exhausted and tired. It's by the power of Christ's word that they head back out. They can't do it themselves. They need Jesus to strengthen them with his word. They needed him to fill them with his teaching. We need the same every Sunday. And Jesus provides us what we need. He feeds us in Bible study. He feeds us in church, in the liturgy, in the spoken word, in the preached word, and at his table. He feeds us in our daily devotions. Jesus provides for us the food we need. He gives us the strength to carry on. But far greater than his strength is his forgiveness. Look at Peter falling down before the Lord, realizing how sinful and undeserving he is. He tells Jesus, leave me because I don't deserve to be in your presence. I'm sinful and unclean. I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I've sinned by what I've done, what I've left undone. I'm soiled and worthless. This is us. Like Peter, we also have a hard time with Jesus' word. It's hard to believe at times. How can I tell this couple that they're living in sin? They're so nice. How can I tell my morally good neighbor that if they don't believe in the true Jesus, they won't be in heaven, but in outer darkness? Certainly, Jesus can't mean that I might be unhappy if I follow his word. He wants me to be happy, so I'm sure he would say this is okay in my circumstance. Why would Jesus command us to do something that results in our suffering? How can any good come out of that? In other words, Jesus, we've tried what you said. We labored all night and caught nothing. Our eyes are on the empty nets. Our eyes are on what is right before us in the moment. Sometimes, whatever God has said seems foolish, implausible. It even seems and feels wrong. It's hard to believe. We deserve nothing but a stiff kick. We deserve nothing but punishment and abandonment. Lord, depart from us, for we are sinners. But instead, Jesus forgives you. He fishes you out of your sins. He captures you out of hell. Fear not. Jesus pronounced absolution over Peter. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. You will work for me now. You're useful to me. Christ Jesus has carried your sins himself. He went to the cross carrying your guilt and your shame. He carried your indiscretions and your lack of faith. 
He carried your unbelief and your errors. He bore the consequences of your evil actions and your evil desires. All this He carried to the cross. All this He crucified with Himself. All this He triumphed over for you. His death took care of Peter's sinfulness and yours. His blood pouring out His side was a river of life, granting you healing and complete and full forgiveness. No sin was left uncovered. No error was left unwashed. You are clean. You are whole. You are perfect before God the Father. He accepts you as His perfect Son, for Jesus' death has clothed you in His righteous, innocent life. Jesus receives you as His holy bride with all blemishes removed by His blood applied to you by His Word. You belong to Christ Jesus. You're His beloved child. You're blessed by Him. Sometimes you may suffer or be unhappy when you trust His Word. Sometimes it might look like you are empty-handed. But even then, you have the great joy that God has chosen you. He values you. He has called you His own. And He speaks tenderly, Do not be afraid. You are mine. I have redeemed you. In fact, because you are mine, I have work for you as my child here and now. I have a calling for you to fulfill until I come again. You are my witnesses, my church, bringing my word into the world. You are my people, proclaiming my message that the world might be caught up in my nets of grace and mercy and be delivered into a life of discipleship in the church, which is my boat and ark of life. So fear not and come with me. I will lead you in the way to go. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.